What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita. Today is October 11th, 2019. The division series of the Major League Baseball playoffs are over. And today we're going to recap and look back at the series and also look forward to what we're going to be seeing potentially in the American League and National League Championship Series. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you missed the last episode, I had a great time with Michaela Perkins from ESPN Phoenix, and we did a preview show for the last round of the playoffs. So if you want to listen and hear where we were right, where we were wrong, go ahead, listen back to that one. It was a good episode. But today, I've got a great guest joining me in just a second. Let me tell you about him. He is a sports reporter at the Omaha World Herald. He's covered some high school sports, uh, some Olympic curling trials, which is really cool. And I think he's done a little bit of the College World Series. So I am very excited to talk to him. Also, I should note he was one of my professors at Valparaiso University, the station manager of the Valparaiso student radio station, where I got a lot of experience. And he's been a big inspiration and big help for me as I get into this podcasting sports journalism landscape. So I want to welcome Professor Andrew Stem. How are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing very well, Jack. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to be here. Long-time listener, first-time guest. <laughs> Thank you very much. Appreciate the support. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to talk about the playoffs. It's been, uh, it was quite a, a good week plus of baseball. Yeah, so of the first four series that we saw in the division series, did you have a favorite to watch? Was there one that you were particularly gripped to? I mean, I'd probably say that uh, I would have to say Nationals-Dodgers just because it seemed like, for the most part, all of those games were close. I know that uh, Game 4 ended up being like 6-1, to one, um, but it seemed like there were a lot of twists and turns in those games. I guess the same, too, for the most part, except Game 5 with uh, Cardinals and Braves. A lot of close games in that one. Um, and, you know... the. Rays and Astros was also pretty entertaining. So I guess really the only one I was kind of disappointed in was uh, Yankees and Twins. And that was just because it seemed like the Twins couldn't get that one big hit uh, with runners in scoring position when they really needed one. Yeah, and it was they did leave a lot of guys on base. And if you listen last week, Michaela and I, we thought that was going to be the best series of the first round. I think a lot of people did. And uh, we were very disappointed with the results that we got from that series. Yeah, it just seemed like they couldn't avoid giving up the one big inning. You know, it seemed like in those two games in New York, uh, you know, Didi Gregorius hits a grand slam and uh, they scored six runs, I think, in, in one of those other innings in game two and or in game one. And then it just it just kind of snowballed and it was only a couple of runs in uh, the first few innings in game three. But they just couldn't avoid giving up uh, multiple run innings. And that was really what did them in. Yeah. Were you expecting more out of that series? I, I really was. You know, I everybody harkened back to that series they played in Minneapolis, the two teams in, in late August, I think it was, and that really yeah. entertaining 12 to 11 game. And I think everybody kind of thought, oh, we're going to get five of these, yeah. you know, games back and forth like that and lots of home runs. And, uh, you know, the Twins just hit three home runs in the whole series after setting a, a major league record with 307, and two of those came in the first game. So just one home run in the last couple of games, and uh, it seemed like their offense, except for the first few innings in game one, never really got on track. 
And, uh, you know, the Yankee offense just kept steamrolling through and their bullpen got big outs when they needed it. I certainly wasn't overly impressed with New York's starting pitching. Um, but, uh, you know, that certainly doesn't seem like it's something they're going to lean on. It's really going to be their offense and their bullpen. And that's the reason they swept out the Twins. I know there are a lot of people who are talking about the Twins and they said they're a product of the AL Central just being so horrible. And I do think... I will say, I think all these AL win totals are inflated because the Yankees played, it seemed like they played a million games with the Orioles this year. The Blue Jays were down. Uh, Mariners uh, out West. And so there were a lot of teams. I think the West ended up having, it seemed like, while it didn't have dominant teams, those teams ended up being a little closer to 500. But the American League Central had two teams that lost 100. Tigers lost 110, or was it 114? Uh, almost. I <laughs> uh, 115, I think. Oh my they just, goodness! They they won just enough games and had that one cancellation to avoid setting a new uh, AL record for losses <laughs> in the season. It's unbelievable. So a lot of people think they started to wonder: Are the were the Twins actually that good? I mean. It's tough. What do you think about that? Because I think part of it is also just that the Yankees have their number in the playoffs for the most part for the last 20 years. Yeah, what is it now, 13 in a row they've won? Yeah. 13, 14 in a row over the Twins? Um, I mean, I'm sure it's a little bit of a product of the schedule. At the same time, you can only play the schedule that you know MLB sets up for you. Um, so, you know, I mean, they still had to play – all those other games against non-division opponents and did well. I mean, they had to play the Indians, and the Indians were no slouch either. Um, so, I mean, I think it was a little bit of a product. You know, if you plop them in the AL West, do they win as many games? Probably not, but they're still probably an above 500 team. I mean, that offense is going to rake no matter who's pitching. You know, Nelson Cruz hits home runs and – uh, they've got some good young players who are starting to come into their own. They're they're fun to watch, and just for whatever reason, like you said, the Yankees have their number, and they just couldn't get one big hit when they needed it. Like you feel like if they get a big hit in Game One or Game Two, and they get a split in New York, uh, that series goes completely differently. But they just just couldn't get the hit when they needed it, and even in Game Three, you know, I think it was uh, second or third inning, they loaded the bases against Severino. And just couldn't push a run across. And and you think about how differently that game might go uh, if they get a run or two there. There came a point as I was watching those games where I'm just I became confident. I'm like they're never gonna they're never gonna cash in in these spots. And I wonder if they got they had a little bit of a mental block there. Oh yeah, you'd figure. I mean, I'm sure after a while without capitalizing, it just kind of gets in your head going, okay, how are we gonna not score this time? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Yeah, let's let's talk about the other series in the American League, which just wrapped up last night. And by the way, we are recording this on the Friday that game one of the NLCS is being played. So by the time you've listened to this game, one has probably already happened um, and we will get to some preview stuff in a little bit. I just want to make that clear. So last night we had an interesting game. It wasn't quite the Braves cardinal shellacking but it wasn't it wasn't a photo finish like we saw in the dodgers nationals but this orange juice series as we ended up calling it proved to be pretty entertaining yeah it absolutely was uh you know after those first two games in houston where uh verlander and cole looked so good i 
will readily admit that I was like, this game's going to be over in a sweep. It's it's going to be done. It's going to be over fast. And uh, all the credit to the Rays uh, for you know Charlie Morton, the way he pitched in Game Three, and then the way their their bullpen really came together, and then that big home run from Kevin Kiermeyer in Game Four. And uh, they they pushed the Astros to the limit. They scored some runs off of Verlander, and I think had a lot of people believing that if they could have scored early against Garrett Cole last night, that they might have come away with the win. But it's really hard to beat a team who's got three bona fide aces, and uh, you know to pick up a couple of wins against Greinke and Verlander, but to to beat tried to beat Garrett Cole too. That was quite a tough ask for the Rays. But as I assume we'll get to in the preview section, it puts the Astros in kind of an interesting situation as uh, they get ready to take on the Yankees. Yeah, it does. How their pitching sets up. For sure. And I want to give a lot of credit to the Rays. As you mentioned, they didn't roll over. They put up a great fight. They won both their home games. The fans came out, showed so much support. It's so interesting how different Tropicana is for playoff games versus regular season. Yeah, yeah, it goes from, and I'm sure it's got to be a stark uh, contrast too for the players because you know you'd have to figure when a stadium's half full, you get used to there being certain backgrounds and the way you track the ball and and things of that nature with empty seats and such. And then when all those seats are full, uh, you know it kind of changes, especially with those catwalks and everything, kind of how you how you have to track a, a fly ball and things of that nature but i'm sure you appreciate the the crowd and the loudness and the support and all that stuff the place was rocking it's uh you know it's i wouldn't say it's one of the top venues but when it's full it's a pretty good venue for playoff baseball and uh you know it certainly showed out uh in the games over the weekend yeah that's a good point I hadn't thought too much about how that might be different for their own players i did hear some of the players who were like it's about time like come on bring this energy all year we want it why do you think it's so hard for the fans to show up for the regular season in Tampa? Do they need to lower their ticket prices? Is it just the market that they have there? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I wish I could begin to explain the, the <laughs> economics of baseball. I mean, it's not like, you know, they put forward a bad team. I mean, it, it seems like they're kind of going through the same struggles, the, the Marlins had in 97 and then they had again in 2003. Like even when you're putting out a good product, it's uh, sometimes hard to get people to fill in that at Florida market. And it's not just, you know, in, in South Florida or whatever, there are other places that, you know, will have good teams and struggle to fill stadiums. But uh, I don't know if it's just the array of options that, uh, you know, when, when faced with, you know, what to do on a summer afternoon or summer evening, there's, a million things to do and baseball falls relatively low on the list um, or what it is. But I mean, it, it, you know, when you start talking about expansion and, and I don't know if you've touched on this recently, but I feel like it seems like the momentum is moving towards eventually getting to 32 teams and going to four divisions of or two leagues of 16 and then four divisions of four and kind of trying to balance the schedule out that way. You know, there's a lot of discussion about are the are the Rays going to move? Are they going to end up somewhere else? And it's kind of one of those things where they get such poor attendance during the regular season that you you think it kind of makes sense. And then when you watch people show up for playoff games, you're like, well, it can be a good baseball city. Uh, they just got to do it all the time. Yeah, that's well. I'll share something on the expansion thought in a second. Did you know about how the Bucks? tried to bring in their fans for week one of the NFL season? 
Uh, no, no, you'll have to enlighten me on this one. Yes, yeah, so they played the 49ers, and they were having trouble selling tickets, so they actually had a Kenny Chesney concert pregame. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> they had a 3 o'clock start, and they had an earlier concert, and they were doing some kind of a double thing where you could get the pregame concert with Kenny Chesney, and uh, I hope it worked. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you're liable with the... Uh liable to get 40,000 people to show up for the concert and then leave right before the game starts. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of pregame concerts before. I've heard of postgame. They do it at Miller Park. There's some other venues that do that. I mean, even Kansas did it with the Snoop Dogg concert over the weekend. Oh, they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, as part of part of Midnight Madness. That was Oh, yeah. Uh, it was it was quite a scene at Fog Allen. Did you go? Oh no, no! But there were lots of there were lots of videos that uh, made their way to social media after. <laughs> That's awesome. So, in terms of expansion, where do you think would be good places to put teams? I would think Nashville or Charlotte could potentially bring a lot of energy, and there be some demand there. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, I personally think that they need to go back to Montreal. Um, although it seemed like Montreal sort of suffered from the same fate that Tampa does now and that they can't get a good, consistent crowd. But when you watch those games, when the, the Blue Jays played their, I can't remember, Heritage Series or whatever they called it, when they played those spring training games right before yeah. um, in Montreal and they got 50,000, 60,000 people at Olympic Stadium, like it reminds you that Montreal could be and was a really good uh, baseball town. Like, you know, part of me says, well, maybe Las Vegas. Uh, you mentioned Charlotte and Nashville as a couple of other ones. Um, I just don't know whether you look at it and go, we should go to places that have good AAA followings. Yeah. But then where, where do you take those AAA teams? You know, like yeah. Charlotte's got... Uh, Knights. The Knights. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, the White Sox AAA affiliate. And it's like, if you well, if you bring in a major league team, then what does that do to the Knights? And does that, you know, sort of change things? Yeah. Um, I wish I had some good answers. I, I think Montreal's <laughs> a good one. Um, I heard people talk about Portland, Oregon. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of it, you'd hope in theory, would be the decision makers going, okay, we're going to balance out the divisions this way, so we need a team who's from this general region of the country. Although given the way that planning tends to happen, I'm going to assume that's not the case, and they'll just kind of pick something and sort of shoehorn people into whatever division um, you know, like the NHL did with the Atlanta Thrashers playing in the Western Conference for a while. Um, True. But, um, you know, I don't know. Like, uh, there are people who are a lot smarter than I am who I think <laughs> have some really, really strong opinions about that. I've just, it seems like, I don't like to give the NFL a ton of credit for anything, but uh, the 16-team conferences slash leagues and then the four divisions with four teams, it seems to make a lot of sense, both in terms of scheduling and, you know, it probably streamlines the playoffs a little bit. MLB could add an extra wild card game um, if they wanted or go to six teams like the NFL playoffs do, and then you just kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting stuff. I'm going to get us back to talking about Tampa here for a second. I'm going to say just one last thing about this team that I think they – I'm glad they started to get a little bit more credit because it's they were not being talked about at all this year. They have a bright future, and I do think that team is capable of winning the division next year. If you remember, they started out – they had a great April, and they were in first place when the Yankees were – 
struggling with some injuries, they had a chance to win the division this year. They just didn't do very well in their big divisional games with the Yankees. They've got a nice young core. I love what they got out of that Archer deal with Glassnow and with Austin Meadows, who Austin Meadows quietly bet 290 at 35 homers this year. This team is going to be right there next year, I would think. Yeah. Yeah, they got some good young pieces. Um, you mentioned Meadows. Um, obviously, El Garcia. Uh, Kiermaier's fun to watch. They got yeah. some They got some really good pieces. And I think one of the things I appreciate most about uh, the way Kevin Cash kind of manages that team is they're not afraid to be who they are. Um, you know, they started with the opener. They were kind of the first team, I feel like, to really make the opener kind of thing. And I know on the broadcast they said it um, It was when they did it for game four, they'd done it something like 43 times during the regular season. And, you know, a lot of people kind of scoffed at, oh, that's a crazy way to do things. But uh, they don't care. They've gone with it. And it works really well for them, you know, and you can kind of play to your right matchups and, and all that stuff. And I don't know if I envision a time where eventually – Every rotation or team will kind of function, you know, maybe do every fifth starter that way. But it works for them, and they're not afraid to be who they are. And uh, they're a lot of fun to watch, man. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, that's a great point because you see a lot of these teams, they're trying to do the bullpenning thing, but they're not built that way. The Cubs are not built that way. And Joe Madden has tried to do the bullpenning with the Cubs, and it's like you can't do that with that roster. And similarly and also differently the st louis cardinals they embrace who they are with having their pitchers go deep into the game i think you got to play to your strengths that's what kevin cash has done with that team yeah yeah although uh i'm gonna rake mike shied over the coals uh when we get to that series for (laughs) for doing that all right. Yeah, we'll, we'll, there'll be plenty to get to with that. The last thing I want to say about the Rays is just the fact in terms of credit, they are starting to get a little more credit. It's kind of interesting because we do give a lot of love to the Oakland A's. They've got, they had a bestseller written about them. They had a great movie made. I love Moneyball. I'm a big fan. Uh, but they have not, and I'm not going to kill them for this or anything like that, they haven't had a whole lot of postseason success. They've lost a lot of either wild card games now two years in a row. They've lost a lot of playoff series. Um, I think they may have gotten into the ALCS once in this new millennium. I want to say maybe 2000. Sometime. 2006. 2006, okay. They, yeah, they lost to the Tigers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so they they have won one, but I'm just so I'm not killing the A's for that or anything like that. We know what their limitations are. But the, look, the Rays have pretty much the same limitations and just look at the success that that organization has had. I think we need to just be giving them more and more attention and more credit for what they've done because it has been so incredible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, they've they've gotten to the World Series. They've won some playoff series, as you mentioned. And uh, I don't think it's uh, out of – I don't think it's unfair at all to say they've had more success – uh, than Oakland has, and just for whatever reason, don't get nearly as much recognition for doing so. Did you read the book about the Rays, the extra 2%? I have it. I don't think I've read it. 
Uh, I've read parts of it, but I haven't read the whole thing. It's good. I enjoyed it. Jonah Carey. Okay, I'll, 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 have to, I'll have to make sure to finish that. Yeah, I like the way Jonah Carey writes. Yeah, I read it in the off season. Highly recommend to the listeners okay. if you're interested in Moneyball and this kind of new age analytics and just trying to make it make things work with a low payroll. It's a good underrated book. Doesn't get the same kind of love that Moneyball does. And I'm pro Moneyball. I got nothing bad to say about Moneyball. I'm basically just saying, look at what the Rays have done. It's been it's been great. Yeah. The, the Rays' success in this case, while they did lose the series, they took the Astros, who won the most games out of anyone this year. And I, I do believe the Astros to be the most complete team. And I do think they're the best team right now. To take them to five games in a five-game series... It was just, they deserve all this, all this praise that I'm showering them with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move over to the National League. Let's talk about this Dodgers series. And Dave Roberts and Clayton Kershaw have both gotten, received a lot of criticism over the last 48 hours since their devastating game five loss just a couple nights ago. What do you think about that? Did Dave make the right decision? Are you going to, are you going to be hard on him for the decision that he made? I guess it, it was the wrong decision because it didn't have the right outcome, but what do you think? I mean, I, I, when talking before this, I feel like you and I have a slightly different opinion about things, which is totally fine. Um, I don't necessarily – I mean, I'm not going to second-guess him, I guess. I just feel and, – and, and we could talk about a lot of instances like this. If you want to go back to A.J. Hinch starting Justin Verlander on three yeah. days rest or uh, you know various things uh, or uh, Snitker starting um, Dallas Keuchel on three days yeah. rest for the first time in his career um, or what – I just don't understand – what it is about the postseason that all of a sudden makes managers, I don't want to say act dumb, but <laughs> kind of forget the regular season. Yeah. Like the Dodgers had the best team in the National League, and you've built a bullpen over the course of 162 games. Um, you know, if you want to bring in Clayton Kershaw, a guy who hardly ever comes in in a cold inning, you know, in the middle of an inning. For to be your lefty situational strikeout guy, I guess that's fine. But like Kenta Maeda had been so good in that series, so good in that series. Why would you not want to bring him in to start the eighth inning, uh, or or Kenley Jansen or anybody else? Like they've cultivated this great bullpen, and I know um, you know you referenced Joe Madden earlier, and the Cubs somehow won the World Series basically with. <laughs> They're starting pitching, um, a role this Chapman, and one other reliever. And basically, they, they worked it together with Band-Aids and rubber bands and, and all that stuff. I just don't understand why managers all of a sudden go, we're just going to throw out the the last six months of the season. The first reliever I need in Game 5 after Walker Buehler's done, Kershaw, it's going to be you. Like I know he wants the ball. I absolutely know Kershaw wants the ball, and, and credit to him for that. Um, I just don't know why you've spent so long cultivating these guys to be situational relievers and then turn to one of your starters. That's a great point. I will also, I want to add 
that I really was not a fan of the Verlander decision, and I was not in favor of the Keuchel start either because I just looked at the... I want to go backtrack to the Astro situation. It's like, you're not in win or go home. You, right. ha- you have the luxury to have a guy who's probably going to win another Cy Young this year at age 37, I think. He's been, <laughs> I mean, he's been amazing. He's had a great career, and he's clutch. We know so much about Verlander, and you have a chance to put him at home on full rest in a win-or-go-home situation if it comes to it, whereas Aaron Sanchez, you could go with him, who has been very, he's been good for the Astros as well. You've got a good bullpen. There are a lot of other options. And the other the other thing about this is let's just say they win that game, game four. Now you get to start Verlander game one against the Yankees. And instead they ended up having to go Verlander and Cole and use both of them just to win this series, which you had touched on, puts them in a strange situation for these playoffs not an ideal situation for the Yankees series you're the best team in baseball it's a lot of people are calling this David versus Goliath I just don't understand the urgency and the need to go with Verlander especially after everyone saw how poorly Keuchel going early uh on three days rest how that worked out yeah yeah and I mean it's like you said you know, it's a luxury, I guess, for the Astros that they also have Zach Greinke. Yeah. Um, because, you you know, you, you start looking at, um, you know, the way Dave Martinez managed his bullpen. Um, he, he went a very similar route to uh, Dave Roberts and just isn't going to get second-guessed for it because uh, Howie Kendrick had a grand slam in the 10th inning. Um, but now they're starting Anibal Sanchez in game one. Like, nothing screams... This should be the first round of the league championship series, like Anibal Sanchez pitching for <laughs> the Washington Nationals. Like they've got Patrick Corbin, and they've got Steven Strasburg, and they've got Max Scherzer. And here you go, game one, we're giving the ball to Anibal Sanchez. Now credit to Sanchez, he's had a really good season. Um, but like he is, if you're drafting those guys, he's number four taken out of those four Nationals pitchers every day of the week. Um, but because the way Martinez managed his bullpen or, you know, lack of bullpen, I guess, uh, that's what they're left with. And, you know, that kind that might put them behind the eight ball, although maybe not quite so much because Mike Scheid decided to get cute with a 10 run lead and just keep Jack Flaherty on the mound. But, yeah, but that's, but that's a rant for later in the podcast. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, so yeah, this Kershaw instance, it ended up being the wrong decision. And I do think, as you mentioned, Maeda, he, sh- he should have gone to Maeda. And Maeda has been, as you mentioned, he's been great. I just, I think if you look at, if you went into this game and you said, all right, we're going to be in a situation where we can get, Kershaw can come in and give us the last six outs of this game and we're going to be up three to one. I think a lot of us would have taken that. Now, there have been the talk about Kershaw in the playoffs. I do want to mention, though, that Kershaw has had some great moments in the playoffs as well. 
Just a few years ago, he came in on short rest to strike out Daniel Murphy to get the save and win the series in 2016 in a game five. Very big spot. Did great for them in that time. Also that year, I very much remember a game he pitched at Wrigley and shut down the Cubs. Electric offense. They won that game one nothing, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah, it was either one nothing or 2-1. It was something like that. But he was amazing. So, like, yes, I know a lot of people are saying it's revisionist history to just kill Dave for this decision. But the problem is Dave gets killed for a lot of his decisions, and some maybe rightfully so. I mean, I'm not into this idea of platooning everyone and maybe not. Like last year when Bellinger's not starting a World Series game, that seems a little, little, you know, a little excessive in terms of the analytics but in this instance he went with his gut it ended up being wrong I'm not going to kill him for the decision I'm not going to kill Kershaw I don't think as you mentioned I do think it would have been a much much better situation had Kershaw started the inning rather than coming in in relief mid inning so that's where I stand on this issue yeah I I think the I honestly think you know, Kershaw gives up two home runs. That's, you know, stuff that happens sometimes. But I really do think the decision he needs to be questioned about is going back to Joe Kelly for another inning. Yes, I agree. I was going to say the same thing. Is is that, like, he was a guy who struggled in game three, four, no, four, three, four, I, whatever, when he, <laughs> he walked a bunch of guys, and he was so good in the ninth inning. And then you're like, well, let's roll the dice and see if he can keep going. And then after he puts a couple of guys on, now we'll stick with him. Like, that's, I think, the decision that really needs to be looked at going, what were you thinking? I mean, you know, uh, guys, Rendon and Soto hit home runs on back-to-back pitches off Kershaw. You just kind of tip your hat and go, well, that happens sometimes. But not coming in with a new reliever. With Kenley Jansen, yes, you know, on the ready-to-go, that's the one that I think uh, people should be asking him about for a while and i wholeheartedly agree with that i was going to bring that up myself i could not have said that better you had kenley jansen and while the other thing i i should mention is that this dodgers bullpen has not been as strong as it has been in recent years so i think the decision to go with a starter like kershaw wasn't horrible because it's not like they had a ton of great options but kenley jansen should not be treated like okay, now I need you in the last second in the 10th inning out of desperation. Kenley Jansen should be getting the ball sooner than that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, like you said, he'd struggled at times this year, but, like, he's still your guy. Yeah. And if you're not going to turn to your guy in the 10th inning, like, when are you going to turn to him? Yep. (laughs) I just started having flashbacks to when he was using Brandon Morrow uh, every chance he could in the playoffs two years ago, and now Morrow can't pitch anymore yeah (laughs) yeah oh man all right so uh do you have any other thoughts on this series um i guess we could talk a little bit about where the dodgers go from here i actually think this loss is going to end up being or it can be a good thing for them going into next year you know i don't like i read an article yesterday about is the window for them closing? And mm. I'm not 100% certain how I feel about that. Like, 
you know, I assume Rich Hill has got to be thinking about retirement. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a spring chicken, and I know he's older than I am. Uh, <laughs> and I, I admire that he's able to still go and, and gut it out and with his, with his changeup and all that stuff and, and pitch well. Um, I don't know. I mean, like, it's not like Cody Bellinger is just going to forget how to hit or anything. But it just seemed like things set up so well for them this year um, in terms of not only how good a team they had, but, you know, kind of being able to take advantage of the fact that some of the other, I don't want to say traditional powers, but the teams who've been good in the National League for the last few years had kind of taken a step back. Like, it really seemed to line up perfectly for them. And, you know, it's one of those... It sort of feels like if not now, when, which probably means that they'll come and win it next year when nobody expects them to. <laughs> yeah. But it, it just kind of has one of those feelings of, you know, they, they won more than 100 games. They they Their offense was great, good rotation. Like, I don't know, can you count on Ryu having another year like this year again next year? I, I don't know. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do in the offseason. Which is a really long way of not offering any sort of answer to your question at all, I guess. <laughs> Those are all fair points. I do think they do have some good young talent on the way. I like Julio Urias. Maybe he gets a chance to step into the rotation if Rich Hill uh, does go decide to retire. At least they think that maybe they can't count on him the way that they have these last couple of years. Um, I like him a lot. I like Gavin Lux. Uh, Corey Seager's healthy again. So there's a lot of young talent that they refuse to part ways with that has extended this window. My other thing I would say is, who in the NL West do you really like to surpass them next year? Because the Giants are they're in their rebuild right now. Like the, yeah. the Giants are over. The Rockies, I thought, were going to win the division this year and they were very disappointing. Now maybe they have, maybe they jump back into contention next year. Who knows? Maybe we'll see. Maybe some, maybe some of their young pitchers take a step forward. The Diamondbacks had a good year and they're going to continue to be good, but I don't, I don't see them being a team that jumps up to a hundred wins and the Padres have a lot of young talent, but are they there yet? Cause they showed right. a lot of it in the first half, but then they fell off and they ended up losing. Uh, let's see. I got their. They lost 92 games this year. So what do you think? No, I mean, I think you're probably right. I think it's still the, the Dodgers division to lose. It's just one of those things about are they still built? Well, I guess are they still built to win in October? But after getting to the World Series, you know, uh, two years in a row and, and uh, at least the NLCS 16, 17, and 18, you know, you just kind of start to wonder, are they, can they win the division and then get beyond that? Or is this kind of their fate to be now end up to be relegated to the division series? And, and you know, it, it's not really fair to them. They had a great year, but nobody's going to remember really that they had a great year. They're going to remember Kershaw giving up two home runs and then the grand slam by Howie Kendrick. Yeah. Well, I, I said last week, I did not think this team was going to get to the World Series three straight years in a row just because we don't see that anymore. It happens so rarely. 
The last time that happened was the Yankees in 2001. And then before that, you go back to the 1940s uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals. But it's just like eventually teams run out of juice. And it's really hard to keep playing that deep in the year. You run a, it's it's a marathon. Just keep doing that every year. We saw it with the Golden State Warriors. Eventually, things end up working against you. You have some injuries, and you can also become used to being in that spot. And you end up getting. I think you get a little too comfortable. I think this Dodgers team, and I know there's been so much criticism of Dave Roberts over the last 48 hours. Some people are. On Twitter, you know, people on Twitter love to throw all kinds of crazy stuff out there. Some people are like, is he on the hot seat or whatever? And maybe he is if they don't perform next year. But you got to look at what they did over the last few years. Sometimes stuff like this happens. You don't get the breaks. And it just doesn't work out in your favor. But I think they have a real chance now. They got a nice kick in the rear. They remember what it's like to lose early in the playoffs. I I would think... They're going to be very hungry next year. They could be aggressive in terms of offseason moves or making a big move at the deadline next year to really boost their roster. So I think there's a lot of good things that can come out of this loss, whereas had they just gotten back to the World Series and lost again, I think that may have been even worse for them to just go to three straight and just have these demoralizing losses. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um you know, I, it's just kind of hard because, I mean, you feel like it's basically going to be a full year before they, you know, get any sort of sense of whether they figured it out. I mean, it seems like they're going to, we just talked about it, it seems like they're going to be the favorites to win the NL West. So they're not going to get any sort of, you know, vindication or anything for all the efforts they put forth really until the divisional series start next October. Yeah. Yeah, it will be a long time, but time moves fast these days. That is certainly true. (laughs) And on the flip side of that, the Nationals are an organization that nothing has gone right for them in the playoffs. And finally, it seemed like they were due. Finally, it came together. Finally, they got that big win in Game 5 on the road this time. They lost a lot at home. So it seemed like it was almost like a swapping of roles in this instance, but... I think, you know, sometimes things like that happen. And now the Nationals got their, they got their, it's their turn now. It's their chance. Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember thinking, I was watching the MLB Network preview show and Bill Ripken picked the Nationals to win the World Series. And and when they were down three to one to the Brewers, I was like, well, that pick was terribly, terribly wrong. (laughs) And then they scored three runs in the eighth inning. uh, And then they came back and uh, they, you know, then they then they won game five on the road here. And I don't know. I mean, I assume we'll get to this. I feel like they have to have a slight advantage over the Cardinals, don't you think, in terms of as we as we start lining these these teams up, at least in terms of on the mound. And, uh, you know, there's and then once you get to, if you know, should they win the NLCS and get to the World Series? You know, once you get to the World Series, anything can happen. So. Uh, he looks a lot less crazy than he did a week and a half ago. Yeah, and we will get to that in a little bit. We got to talk about the Cardinals and Braves for a second first. But was that, I want to ask you a question, was that preview show prior to the start of October or was that back in the preseason? 
That was prior to the start of October. Oh, okay. I was like, wow, I was impressed that you remembered that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, just uh, everybody went to their their playoff brackets. And I just remember being struck by the fact that he picked the Nationals to win. And I was like, that's a little bit crazy. But <laughs> it seems a lot less crazy now. Yeah. Who, what was your preseason pick? Uh, before the playoffs started? Uh, or before, did you make a pick before the season started? Uh, season? I hadn't really thought about it. But before the, I, I turned out to be very... Uh, because I uh, picked the Dodgers to to win it all. So I I know a lot about what I'm talking about. (laughs) So my preseason pick, I just went back to hear me and Jordan's picks from April, and I had the Cardinals over the Astros, which is very Ah, much in play right now. That is. You you look like a genius so far. (laughs) Thanks. And I also pulled up one of Jordan's quotes from the episode and sent it over to him last night, which was, I wouldn't be surprised if Reese Hoskins ends up top five, top six, and MVP votes this year. Ah, he missed that one a little bit. <laughs> yeah, he he admits that. <laughs> so this Cardinals and Braves series, what a disappointing game five. Can you imagine you are a lifelong Braves fan, and it's kind of crazy because I would think when you grew up, the Braves were dominant, right? Yeah, yeah, they were in the midst of their run of, I can't remember how many years in a row it finished, Ten, but I I in, in their run of however many NL East crowns in a row they they won, they just, they ran the NL East. Yeah, I think it was 96 to 2005, I want to say those 10 years. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, so some of that was when I was a little kid. So my first impressions of the Braves was, oh my goodness, dominant pitching. <laughs> I'd never seen a three-headed monster like that in that same spot, like, cause we, you know, we got this cranky Verlander Cole thing, but we don't know how long those guys are going to be together. But you had Smoltz, uh, Glavin and Maddox all together for several years. And they were so, so dominant. So my first impressions of the Braves dominant, dominant team, they did win one world series and they had a lot of postseason success. Now it's been almost 20 years since their last playoff win back in Oh one. So that's kind of that's kind of weird, but imagine being a Braves fan that your team hasn't won a playoff series in 18 years. You spend a lot on your playoff tickets. You sit through traffic. I've heard Atlanta traffic is not good on the way to the game. I haven't been. Um, they do have a cool park. SunTrust Park looks really cool. But spending a lot, taking time off from work, leaving work early, sitting through the traffic you get to the park and the game is over in the first inning i can't think of anything else like that that i've ever seen before in a playoff game yeah man it's brutal i was getting set to turn the turn the game on and i checked the score or you know just see oh hey because i couldn't remember what time it started and i turned it on and it was already four nothing cardinals and i was like oh okay <laughs> and it just it just got man it just snowballed from there yeah <laughs> I was walking a dog. I was listening to the game on the radio, and I was like, okay, I'm going to be home soon. And by the time I got home, it was 10 to nothing. I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was so disappointed because we had four really, really good, some great games that you had to think that we were set for something awesome in game five, but uh, we definitely weren't. No, no, got the exact opposite of that. So what are your takeaways from this series, Andrew? 
of us. I don't, what is, why did no one want to win this series? <laughs> like until game five, it was kind of like, well, our bullpen's going to give you a chance to win the game. No, our bullpen's going to give you a chance to win the game. I mean, like from game one when, um, I can't remember which reliever it was when the Braves were winning and then he had a blister, so he went out and that totally threw Chris off. Chris Martin. Snickers. That's who it threw not, off. Snickers not the guy from out. Coldplay, different guy. Oh, okay. And, um, <laughs> You know, it threw off his plans, and then, like, the Cardinals scored. They, they tied it, and then they scored those runs in the ninth. And then, um, you know, then the Braves scored a bunch of runs off of Carlos Martinez. And then they scored more runs off Carlos Martinez in game uh, three, you know, after they had one nothing or whatever. And, and um, I just I, – I don't know, like, I want to know what the confidence level of the Cardinals bullpen is going into the NLCS because, like, how confident can Mike Scheid be in putting Andrew Miller or Carlos Martinez out there on the mound in the eighth and ninth innings in high leverage situations? Well, he seemed pretty confident in Martinez because he kept going back to him. I thought he had a death wish in game four and Martinez was going to blow it again and the Braves were going to win and celebrate on their field in at Bush Stadium. Man, it sure seemed like that was going to happen. I was shocked that it did it, to tell you the truth. Yeah. I mean, other than that, like, you know, credit to the Cardinals. Like, they, 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 there were probably two or three times they could have, you know, folded, um, you know, after, uh, after the Braves go ahead, was it Marquecas who hit the home run to put him ahead in game four? Um, that sounds right. Okay. You know, like they could have folded then they, they could have folded later. Uh, you know, the Braves had a, had a shot to win it in the ninth still. And then, or to add their lead in the ninth, and then Yachty ties it and wins it in the 10th. Um, you know, they just they just kept coming back. And for a team that hadn't been in the playoffs since 2015, that's that's a credit to those guys because, you know, some of those guys have playoff experience with other teams. But, you know, um, I mean, Tommy Edmond hadn't played in a playoff game, um, things like that. So, uh, you know, credit to those guys, man. They, uh, they came through when they needed it to. And I feel like I've been saying this for – months on end now is they just somehow find a way to win yeah like you look you look at it and you go i don't know how they're gonna do it and then you look at the box score the next day and you're like well they did it so um because i i i'm not convinced that they're i don't think and you'll probably disagree since you picked them to win the world series <laughs> but i don't think in terms of specific talent i'm not even sure i would say they're the second most talented team in the national league central but they've got they've they've figured it out. They've got a formula that works, and uh, you know they're they're one of the last two teams standing in the National League. And credit to them for that. I love the way they play baseball. I'm a big fan of base knocks, contact hitting, fielding the ball really well, fast base runners, good base running, not making too many mistakes on the base pass or in the field and putting the ball in play. And you saw it like they put, there were situations in these playoffs. Like there was that, 
I can't remember who hit the ball over to Freddie Freeman that he booted that was a potential double play ball. If that guy strikes out, nothing good happens. But since he grounded over, you know, you, you put the ball in play and you put pressure on the other team to make mistakes. A gold glove first baseman, who we will talk about a little bit because uh, he did not have a very good series. But stuff like that happens in the playoffs because there's so much pressure. So I, what I like about the Cardinals, they do have – it's kind of similar to the make makeup of the Braves. It's not like they're dominant in one area in the league. But they do a lot of things really well. They have a good, well-rounded team. You got to love Flaherty. There's some good starting pitching on this roster. The bullpen's okay. It's not great. They did have some blunders, but the bullpen did have the lowest ERA in the National League this year. So there are a lot of things to like about the Cardinals, and they're coming into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. They're the hottest National League team since the start of August. So it is kind of weird, but a lot of times in baseball, if you go into the playoffs with momentum, stuff like this happens, and it's starting to remind me a little bit of the 2011 team that they had that just got hot at the right time and good things happening from that point on. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar. I absolutely agree with that. Because that team was not the best team in baseball that year. No. I thought the Rangers were going to get theirs that year, but they didn't. (laughs) Yeah, yep. They're not the best parts, but they're the best parts that work well together. Yeah. And they just... They all know their roles. It's like when we were talking about the Rays earlier. They know their jobs, and like you said, they are who they are, and they're not afraid to be who they are. Yeah, they'll use that to their advantage. And, you know, this team put up a lot of runs over five games. Now, game five really inflated their run total, but they only hit four homers to score, I would think, over 20 runs in this series. So they show that I think that that whole 10-run first inning, none of that was home runs. And I like seeing, I love seeing this brand of baseball. I don't know what your thoughts on this brand of baseball is, but I think it's exciting just to keep having the ball in play and just exciting stuff, plays at the plate, stolen bases. I think that stuff is entertaining and it's good for the audience. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. That was, uh, that's what happened on the Cardinal side and we will... Uh, track what they'll be doing in a second but where do the Braves go from here what do you think how big how heartbreaking was this for them I feel like you talked about the Dodgers they've got a good young core yeah they've got to figure out what they're doing with their pitching um you know Sorotka was really good uh should have been their game one starter in my opinion yeah yeah, there are a lot of people who uh, I think uh, agree with you there, um, but I don't know beyond that. Like, what are they? I can't remember. Did Dallas Keuchel just sign a one-year deal, or did he sign a long-term deal? I think it's a one-year deal. So, I mean, do they bring him back? Like, because I like the pieces they have on offense. Yeah, you got to bring back Donaldson after this year too. I would think I, you'd certainly figure, but I mean. Regardless of you know whether he's hustling out of the box in a ball he thinks he's hit out of the park or whatever, like you gotta love Acuna yeah. and Ozzy Albies at the, at the top of the order, and then it's just gonna be. I, I really do think their biggest questions are what are they gonna do pitching wise, if they can you know come up with a couple arms, and I don't know whether it makes sense for them to re- try and re-sign Keuchel or what they want to do, but I think the next step in their evolution is gonna be 
adding some some arms to that that roster and kind of fortifying themselves for October. Yeah, so let's think about this. You got Soroka, who just had a, an excellent rookie campaign. Uh, he was my unpopular opinion rookie of the year choice in the National League. And so you got him. That's a building block there. You got to figure out what you want to do with Keuchel. If the money is right, I would think you'd want to bring him back after this year that he had. Fulte was had such a weird year. He was so good last year, but uh, he did finish the year strongly. And we kind of expected what happened with him, not to the degree that it happened, but after how excellent he was in game two, it's really hard to repeat that same performance twice. So I wasn't expecting anything crazy, but those three guys, and then you got to, like you said, you got to figure out the rest. I like Max Fried a lot. I give him another year in starting rotation. He looked very, very good in the first half, and he had a couple of, he had a few bad outings that sort of inflated his ERA. Didn't do great out of the bullpen in game five. So that's four guys, and then you got some interesting, I think they have two top 50 pitching prospects in all baseball, Kyle Wright and Ian Anderson. I was just looking over this the other day. So, but I would think you got to have another veteran in that staff. So maybe you use some of those, maybe you use some of those prospects, you use one of them in a trade, or maybe there's a guy you can get on the open market. But I do think they need another veteran guy going into one of these playoff series. Yeah. And, uh, I, I absolutely agree, and I also think you look at the back end of that bullpen. Um, yeah. I know they, I know they traded for Shane Green, and I know he's going to be a free agent. Um, and uh, I can't think of who came over from the Pirates. Pirates, Pirates. Well, if the Pirates are. Uh, they did get who was their closer? Well, they have former Pirate Mark Melanson. That's it. Oh, he came from the Giants. Yeah, he came from the Giants. I can't remember where most recently he came from. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think he's a free agent too, right? Is he? I think I know. I yeah, yeah, he is. Because uh, he signed a four-year. Or no, wait, no. I think he's got a year left. Because I think he signed a, year a four-year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So he'll so he'll be at the back end. Um, but I don't know. Do they try and resign Shane Green? Like, um, they just have some a few holes, and it'll be very interesting to see how they decide to go about addressing them. Um, I mean, I think you made a case. I think Josh Donaldson should absolutely come back for the lineup, but. Uh, the back end of that rotation and some of the some of the relievers. How are they going to address that um, to to try and get better and and try and win their first postseason series since what did you say two thousand and one? Yeah, Man. I know it's unbelievable. It really is. Never would have expected the Braves to end up being a team like that, but I guess that happens with organizations. You have your up and ups you, and downs. Can you imagine? if the Nationals get to the World Series. And since the last time the Braves won a playoff series, the Marlins won a World Series, the Phillies won a World Series, and the Mets and Nationals both at least got there. And the Nationals moved over from Montreal, too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's got to that's gotta be... That's got to be stuck in the craw of Braves fans if, if that happens, man. That would be kind of crazy i do think this team's going to be right back here next year i they have such a great young core it's similar to the dodgers they arrived a year ahead of schedule last year 
maybe even two years ahead of schedule. I think this team's going to keep going, but yeah, they do have some interesting decisions to make. They also have several top 100 prospects, so there are moves that they could potentially make. We'll see who's available on the trade market, but I would like to see them maybe make a bigger, bigger move to have a guy in the bullpen who could be lights out for them or another starting pitcher. And then, you know, you also have Austin Riley, who is came up and had a really nice impact when he was brought up earlier in the season. He'll get a chance to start. Ender Inciarte will be healthy, hopefully, in for his own case. So I think I think there's a bright future here in Atlanta. And there's no one. I mean, the Nationals are going to be going toe to toe with them again next year. I have every reason to think that, although they could lose Anthony Rendon. I call him Hector Rendon all the time. Yeah. But uh, I'm the Phillies don't worry me like no one else. The Mets don't scare me if I'm them and the Marlins don't scare me. So I think they're going to be right back there next year. I think that's a pretty accurate assessment. Thanks, man. OK. And Freddie Freeman, uh, any thoughts you want to add about him from this series? Uh, I don't have any specific thoughts, but uh, I will certainly uh turn the the stage over to you it sounds like you've got some not not nothing strong it was just kind of hard you know difficult to watch i think he was he was playing injured i like his professionalism that he wasn't making any excuses he wasn't saying oh yeah i'm hurt like i'm dinged up but he just he seemed like a very different guy he made some a couple of mental errors in the field and he didn't swing the same bat they normally swings and sometimes that just happens sometimes guys go through slumps but it was, uh, I think if you had normal Freddie Freeman, whether it was a product of his injury or not, if you had normal Freddie Freeman, I think that swings the series in favor of the Braves. I do think that not having him at his best and what the diminished guy that you had there at first base, I think that really, really did not work into their favor. Yeah, it was like you said. It was a little bit hard. It was hard to watch him struggle, um, you know, and see that he wasn't, for whatever reason, injury or what have you, as capable of being the player that we've watched for quite a few years now. For sure. All right, let's look ahead at some of these series coming up this weekend. Tonight we get started with the Cardinals and Nationals. Do we 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 must have our probable starters? I need to pull those up. Do you know who's going tonight? Uh, it's uh, McCullis for the Cardinals and Anibal Sanchez for the Nationals. Michaelis started Game One for the Cardinals. Yep. And Sanchez started Game Three for the Nationals and went five scoreless, and then. Uh, the wheels fell off when they brought in Corbin with two outs in the sixth. He gave up a two-strike hit, and then the wheels just kind of fell off, and that's when the Dodgers took, uh, I can't remember how many runs they scored in the sixth inning, something like four or something like that. Um, so I think they both pitched fairly decently because uh, um, most of Atlanta's runs came off the, the St. Louis bullpen in game one. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think he maybe gave up three. So they both pitched fairly decently, but just, you know, in, in a, with a rotation that's got Jack Flaherty on one side um, and then Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg on the other, 
this isn't exactly the the marquee matchup you sort of expect there to be in game one. Yeah, that's a good point. The thing that I would be concerned about for the Nationals is how they've used their starting pitchers aggressively. We saw Strasburg get in that wild card game. We saw some of these other guys mixing and matching and being used in bullpen spots at times. And I just would be a little concerned, especially seeing Scherzer when he went out in that game against Milwaukee and they were hitting him early on. I just, I would wonder again, if we could see a diminished version of those starting pitchers and how that could play a role in this series. Yeah, it absolutely could. Although on the flip side, I can't really blame Davey Martinez, mostly because their bullpen, other than Daniel Hudson, Hudson has been really good. Yep. But most of the rest of those guys have not been. And, um, you know, he's like Patrick Corbin is their third best starter, and he's pitched, I think, two games in relief. I don't know if they'll, uh, I don't know if he becomes the, if he just, they swing him to become a relief guy and they stick with Sanchez as a starter or if long-term or if they're going to go with four starters and Corbin's going to get a start here or or what exactly is going to happen. But it's been really interesting to watch how he's, uh, how Martinez has managed that bullpen. And it's going to be really interesting to see what he does uh, in this particular series. There's no guessing what Davey Martinez will do next. He's He's been so interesting this year. He's done a great job with that team. And as you mentioned, the bullpen is a big weakness. And that's another thing that I would be concerned about uh, from the Washington side. But I, both these teams have been so scrappy. They've both been finding ways to win. I expect this to be a really, really good series. I do too. Um uh, I I would not be surprised to see this go the full seven. Yeah. Um, I would like to offer a complaint. Yeah. That um, I think it's dumb that the Cardinals get home field just because they won their division. Um, even though the Nationals had more wins. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the the it's the NBA right that does that like where the reseeding. Yes, or, no, or where if you, had, if you had more if you had more wins. You get home field, home court, even if uh, you know you didn't win your division or whatever. I feel like yeah, that NBA be, does that. I feel like that should be it. You, you've won more games. You shouldn't just get home field because you had the best record of some arbitrary grouping of teams, as opposed to whatever else. But um, just, just that aside, I don't understand. And you know, if the Cardinals win the NLCS. He'll look like a genius, I guess. I don't understand what Mike Scheid was doing. Um, you know, it's 10 nothing after the top half of the first, and he still has Jack Flaherty throw 104 pitches, which means he can't pitch until game three. Yeah. Like, when it's 10 nothing, have him go a few innings. It was 13 nothing after three innings. Pull him out, bullpen the rest of the game, and he can come back and start in game two. Like, now your best pitcher can't start until game three. And, you know, maybe it works out. I just didn't understand that. And I talked to a buddy of mine who's a big Cardinals backer, and I asked him if he thought about that. And he's like, no, that never thought, never crossed my mind. And I was like, I didn't understand it. Like, <laughs> it just seems like if you don't have enough faith in your bullpen to hold a 13 nothing lead so you can pull your best guy out of there, I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> well, I was 
thinking the, along the same lines as you. I would have had him go a little bit. I wouldn't get him to 104. Maybe I let him go 70 or something like that. Just have him go get some work. I do think that if they somehow end up losing that game and you didn't end up using Flaherty, he would get killed for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think you got you got to start him. Yeah, but at uh, just a few innings, because yeah, you know, you got to be looking at it going. All right, well, he's not going to pitch game one because the turnaround's two days. But like in theory, you know, game two being Saturday, uh, be a couple of days off. Like this could basically be the equivalent of his bullpen session. Like he could turn around and go in game two if you don't throw him too much. But and wanted to make sure they got that win. I just, I don't know. It'll be interesting. And like I said, if the Cardinals end up winning and get into the World Series, then he'll look smart and I'll look dumb. <laughs> That's true. I will say one thing about your comment about the win total. So Washington won 93, Cardinals won 91. I do think, I don't know if I fully agree with you because the divisions are different. I think the National League Central really beat up on each other this year, which resulted in some of these lower win totals in the NL Central. Now, I also think there are other things that made it that way in terms of win totals. But, I mean, when you get to play the Marlins 18 or 19 times, and the NL East played the AL Central this year. They played a lot of games with the AL Central. That gives you a lot of wins. So I don't know if I would... I do think that it's good for there being some reward for winning your division versus being a wild card team. So I don't fully agree with you on that point. I mean, I guess I guess it's fine because it, it was close enough. Yeah. But like if they'd won 100 games yeah. and they just ended up winning the wild card because, you know, the Braves had won 102. And if they'd won nine more games like that would be yes. a, a little bit of a a little bit of a stretch. I mean, yes. I, I honestly don't think it's going to matter. It's probably good for the Nationals that they don't have it because yeah. they seem to not play well in the end of game series at home. So, you know, then they, they won game five in L.A. So I'm certain they'll feel confident if they have to go to a game seven in St. Louis. So Saturday pitching matchups, Scherzer and Wainwright. Could you believe we were seeing vintage Adam Wainwright <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs? It felt like we were in 2009 or something like that again. Yeah, it felt like turn back the clock day for sure. Yeah, or 2011 or whatever. Yeah, he's been, uh, you know, he's he's certainly a guy who knows uh, when to turn it on and is able to shine when the lights are the brightest. Yeah, kind of similar to what, what the Cardinals and even the Cubs got out of John Lackey a few years ago. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's make a pick. Who you got in this series? Uh, I'll take Nationals in seven. Okay, I will go Cardinals in seven. So we disagree. Fair. I'm this close. I gotta. I guess I gotta fulfill my uh, preseason pick. I guess that's true. <laughs> but in actuality, I I just I do think the Cardinals are both these teams are clicking at the right time, which is going to make for some great baseball. I think it's going to be a very evenly matched series like we saw the Cardinals and the Braves, although I don't expect a Game 7 shellacking like we saw yeah. in Game 5 in Atlanta. It would not surprise me if all seven, if it ends up going seven, if all seven games were one or two run games. They should all be close. 
They should be exciting. Uh, the starting pitching is good. And uh, as we've discussed, both bullpens are a little bit shaky. So it's one of those things where, you know, you go, you go into the ninth inning with a one-run lead. No guarantees you're going to hold on and walk away with a win. Yeah, I feel you. All right, let's pivot over to the AL, and we don't have too much time. But the Yankees and Astros will begin. They got the primetime slot Saturday night, a 7.08 start time central time, or 8.08 on the East Coast. Greinke is a probable starter for the Astros. Yankees have not shared their probable starters yet. Uh, so that'll be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Who would you yes, figure? Probably James Paxson, right? Yeah, I would think so. And Severino? Yeah. For game two? Yeah. Yeah. So they, and then Verlander will go game two on Sunday, which he'll have had a full four days rest before then, right? Uh, game five was Wednesday. Was Tuesday. Game four was Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So. Yep. All right, so you should probably see a better Verlander. What are you looking for in this series? You know, I think a lot of it is going to come down to the way the top of the lineup gets going for the Astros. Before uh, last night's game, saw that um, George Springer and Michael Brantley were a combined four for 35 or something along those lines in the first four games of that series. And, um, you know, as those two guys go, the rest of their lineup goes, you know, Altuve and um, uh, Bregman and and all those guys, um, you know, they can obviously really swing the lumber, but they need guys on base in front of them. So if Brantley and Springer are getting on base, um, you know, it, it, it bodes pretty well for them. I would say the Astros have a decided edge. In starting pitching, um, I was not impressed at all with the Yankee starters. Um, y- you know, Paxson, Paxson was out after four and a third, I think, in game one. Um, and Severino looked all right in game three, but had the bases, like the Twins had runners on base, it felt like, in just about every inning and just couldn't push a run across. Um you know, I would probably give the Yankees an edge in bullpen. Um, those guys have been been pretty spectacular. Not that the Astros' bullpen is any slouch, but I, I would probably give the Yankees a slight edge. Um, and then it's just going to be, you know, which lineup is able to to show up a, show out a little bit better. Yeah, and I don't love the matchup, and this could make me sound dumb a week from now. I don't love the matchup of the Yankees offense against the Astros pitching. I think it's going to be an awesome showdown to see those two different, those two things clash. But the Yankees strike out a lot. They are very much boom or bust. And going against Cole and Verlander, I don't really like that strategy as much. I think a team like the Cardinals, if it comes to it, that can chip away, work the pitch count, and you saw some of that with what the Rays did to Verlander in game four. Now he was on short rest, so that was a little different. But I like I like the approach of the contact hitting, especially against these two starting pitchers that each struck out 300 guys this year. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. 
yeah, yeah, that's a really that's a that's a really good point. Um, looking at that, and uh, yeah, that that will be the key is uh, if they can can work some counts and and get into some of that, get into the Houston bullpen. Because if you let Cole Verlander and Granky go seven innings, you're you're done. It'll be feast or famine for the Yankees offense. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I'm trying to think of if anybody can take advantage of those Crawford boxes in the first couple of games, you know, the short porch in left field, yeah, uh, which is kind of the reverse of what they've got uh, down the right field line at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. But if any of those le- uh, right-handed hitters can take advantage of that and maybe elevate one and um, you know, the key for them, I think, is going to be to get in front early, which I know sounds like a pretty obvious statement <laughs> to make. But, yeah. um, you know, especially on the road, first two games, like if they can go in on Saturday and score a run or two in the first inning and start feeling pretty good about things, um, maybe that'll change the way James Paxson pitches. But uh, that's that's definitely going to be something more so, I think, than any of the other four teams i think scoring early is going to be most important probably for the yankees this is the series that everyone has circled on their calendars and look forward to all year it seems like we've known this was coming ever since june that it's going to be these two juggernauts offensive juggernauts meeting in the alcs so i'm so excited it's also a rematch from two years ago and it can be a little tough when you go the distance and win to do that a second time, just a couple of years later, beat the same team. So that'll be not quite working in the Astros' favor. It's time to make a pick, though, Andrew. Who you got? Uh, I'll take Astros in six. That's the exact same pick that I was going to have. <laughs> well, it seems like we're uh, pretty much on the same wavelength in terms of we both got the NLCS going seven games. And yeah. this one both going six. So when, you know. Will either look real smart or not quite so much. (laughs) It'll be very fun to watch, and I'm looking forward to it, as I'm sure you are. Oh, yeah. It's going to be great baseball. You know, sometimes when you get into the DS, there's a chance that either the matchups are uneven or whatever. Um, You know, sometimes you got a 107-win team facing a 90-win team, and Uh, It becomes pretty evident that there's discrepancies between those. But I think for the most part, the division series were pretty good. But, um, you know, these should be two fantastic series that we got coming up. So if for both teams, I'll ask you this question. Is the season a failure if they lose? Um, I'm trying to think of. I don't think on the National League side. I meant uh, in the AL. Oh, in the AL. Um. You know, maybe for the Yankees, I I don't know. I just feel like they've invested so much in this team. Um, but at the same time, you look at guys like Labor Torres. I mean, Aaron Judge is not balancing. Like, they've still got a, a decent young core. So, I don't know. I mean, I guess not because for them it would be – Basically, the next step, right? Was it the ALCS when they lost the Yankees or the Astros two years ago, or was that the division series? ALCS, okay. Game Seven. Okay, so it would be, I guess, getting not quite getting over the next hump. Maybe a slight disappointment for the Yankees. Um, 
and I guess maybe a slight disappointment for the Astros because you look at it and go, well, they're, they're built to win another World Series. And you, the Astros, I'll say yes because you don't know where Garrett Cole's going to be next year. Yeah. He could be um, in the pinstripes next year. <laughs> he could be in New York. He could be in Chicago. He could be in a variety of places. So I, I guess probably it would be viewed as a disappointment for the Astros because they're built to win another title. Um, but, you know, for the Yankees, maybe. But then on the flip side, you're like, well, they're they're built to be good for a long time. So maybe not. I don't know. What do you think? I think for the Yankees, this is a major disappointment. As you mentioned, just so much that they've invested in this team. Uh, I think for the Astros, since they've won a World Series, it's not the end of the world since they won one two years ago. And I don't I don't think there's as much uh, disappointment there. But I mean, like, in the Yankees' case, you got rid of Girardi. You're so sold on Aaron Boone and the New Age analytics and everything. And last year was a big disappointment to not win a playoff series. And then this year, if especially if they lose in five or something like that, I think that'd be a crushing, crushing disappointment for New York fans. That's a good point. All right, Andrew, I got one last question for you. Hit me with it. Are you watching Survivor this season? Um, <laughs> I've been watching bits and pieces. Uh, I forgot to set the recorder, <laughs> so I'm having to uh, kind of play catch-up. But uh, I've enjoyed it so far. I, I, I think that uh, the addition of uh, the mentors has been uh, – I mean, I, I guess that's the way, way of – calling them but uh i think that's been uh, a neat little way to to mix it up you know after a a series or shows on the season late 30s 40 i can't remember 39 39 days now 39 seasons okay so it's like one of those things where you know it 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 could get stale after a while but i think this is a a way to kind of give it a nice refresher and you know, good to get some personalities that have become fan favorites in there as well. I, I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, I have too. Uh, did you see, so you've seen some of the stuff from the Island of the Idols with Robin Sandra? I've seen a little bit. Oh my goodness. It's hilarious because week one, it's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to teach you a crash course on Survivor. We're going to teach you how to make fire. Week two, we're going to teach you how to listen to people. That's important. Listen to people. Week three, this past week, I'm not sure if you've seen it yet, but their thing that they tested them on was to something that's never happened on Survivor before. Go sneak into the other team's camp and catch fire on your torch and bring it back to us in the middle of the night while the other tribe is asleep and don't get caught by them. Oh, no, I haven't watched that yet. I'm <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out. It's like a fraternity hazing type of thing. <laughs> That's awesome. It was it's so funny. I mean, I just think if you put Boston Rob and Sandra on TV, they automatically make stuff better. Rob especially. Yeah. Rob knows what makes good TV. He's so great around the cameras. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely true. He's he's got such a good TV personality. I would not mind if, uh, you know, if Jeff Probst ever retires. If Yeah, he, he'd figure he'd be next in line, yeah. I would think, for the host, right? Yeah, I mean, I think some people think this could be a chance for them to trot him out and see how he does as a production-type person and not as a survivor. But he's going to compete on the next season. Did you know that? 
I didn't know that. No. It's uh, next season is all winners, and Amber will be there as well. Oh, that'll be good. Yeah. It'll be fun to watch. So Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Andrew. Lastly, uh, is there anything that you're working on right now that you'd like to promote, uh, social media handles, anything of that nature? Um, I mean, I'm thoroughly boring on Twitter, but you can follow me at astem00. Um, no, not really. I, I wish I had more stuff to report. Um, we're kind of in the throes. High school football playoffs here in Nebraska are just – uh, a few weeks away, so if you, if you care about that, you'll probably get some information from there. Uh, but otherwise, nope. I uh, just appreciate the opportunity to be on with you, Jack. Uh, enjoy our conversations off air and enjoy listening to the podcast and glad that our schedule's aligned so I could finally be a part of it. Yeah, we've tried so many different times. I think, actually, I was thinking back last year, we were going to do, I think it was ALCS, an LCS preview show similar to this, but that was when I found out that I was going to need to have thyroid surgery that day. And I'm like, I don't think this is going to work <laughs> yeah. today. Yep. Nope. So it's it's been almost a year in the making. And yeah. uh, I'm really glad we were able to do it today. I, I was too. Thank you so much, Andrew. You're welcome, man. We'll chat again soon. So that concludes my conversation with Professor Andrew Stem, the professor. He was excellent. Had a great time talking baseball playoff baseball with him it was a lot of fun if you like what you heard and you'd like to hear more from this podcast subscribe to the jack vita show on itunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast whether it be spotify stitcher youtube you name it subscribe and you will never miss an episode you will always be notified whenever there's fresh content available um if you like this podcast please do me a solid favor, leave a five-star rating and review, leave a few nice words on there. Helps a lot with growing the podcast audience, and I would love for this podcast to continue to grow. I'm so thankful for the unwavering support of all of you listeners. You guys have been fantastic. You can follow me at Jack Vita Show on Twitter. I will be continuing to tweet throughout these Major League Baseball playoffs. This postseason has been very fun, so I look forward to hearing your thoughts on there. You can tweet me your thoughts on the episodes, what you think about my predictions. Tell me when I'm wrong. Do whatever you want. I love interacting with all of you on there. So go ahead, follow, subscribe, and stay tuned for what will be coming up on the podcast in the future. Should have some continued postseason baseball coverage as the season winds down. Also, NBA season starting up in just a couple of weeks. I'll probably be talking with Evan Myers pretty soon as a NBA preview show unfolds. That'll be a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. So thank you all for listening. Subscribe. Follow along. I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Until next time. Have a great day. Bring in the dancing lobsters.